Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it's it's Dave DeVito. Um, I'm just coming here to say uh, that I love the Fallout app and I would like to tell you about the service that they use to make this podcast. It's called Anchor. The best thing about Anchor is it's free. You don't have to pay anything. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, you can even add songs from Spotify directly to the episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So you're going to be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can now make money for your podcast with very little, uh, minimum, little, little, little listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks, guys. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. This is your official civil defense broadcaster. One of the greatest threats would be radioactive fallout. Uranium fever. Where fallout is heaviest, it can even kill those who have not taken proper shelter. Broadcasting deep underground in a questionably constructed survivalist bunker is Dave Chaffins and Kenneth Vigue, and your host as always, Mr. Robots. This episode of the Fallout Hub is brought to you by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Open enrollment for advanced robotics courses starts now. Totally nothing sketchy going on. Nope, not at all. What day is it? What are we even doing here? Didn't we just do a show, guys? Wasn't it like Saturday, just like a few days ago, we did a show? A few Isn't days it? ago? What are you talking about? This we, did a, we did a I'm Saturday show. Yeah, we did a Saturday. We've already done this. We, didn't really show, we did the show for the week, but I guess we're back. Welcome back to the Fallout Hub. We are here again. This is like extra show bonanza because we've got some crazy news about Bethesda. 
and Zenimax and some little company called Microsoft, and they're getting together, getting some hanky panky going on. And so we decided that we were going to sit down and talk about it with our friend Tune. So, well, I'm going to have to welcome everybody. So let's just go through the roll call. Ken, how are you today? I am good. You are good, like Jesus. And then we also have Dave. Welcome. Hello. We're going to change the Abraxo box for the Xbox. That is the decree. I make the rules on that particular situation, and that's the decree. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Good joke. Abraxbox. And and we have uh, our guest today, who isn't here for an interview, but is here to tune in to what's going on with Microsoft and Bethesda to Universal. Tune, what's up? How are you doing? Doing great. You know, fresh off a broadcast this morning and ready to chat with you guys about two giant conglomerates coming together in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. And you are looking fresh as well. well welcome. Um, I am your host, Tom Robots, and welcome back to the Fallout Hub, the unofficial official show of the Fallout TV show. I need, I'm just going to keep doing that every week, every, every time. Isn't this now the unofficial official uh, show of Zenimax, Bethesda, Microsoft, Incorporated, <gasps> and this is, subsidiary holdings? This is now also the unofficial <laughs> official game. show of Windows. Yeah, yeah Windows. Powered so, by Windows. Powered by Windows. PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Yeah, this is the unofficial official show of PowerPoints. Today we'll be talking spreadsheets and how to get the most out of your calculations over multiple sheets and using pivot tables. And using pivot tables and especially <laughs> the sum feature. Wow. So <laughs> wow, complex stuff. Um, thank you for joining us. As usual, we are broadcasting to you on twitch.tv slash the fallout hub live Tuesdays, five PM slash 2 p.m. Eastern Pacific. You guys can figure that out. So I'm just going to pitch this up because we've got a bunch of news that isn't really detailed. We've got so many questions. It's been a day since we have found out that Microsoft is purchasing ZeniMax, Bethesda, the people who make Fallout, the people who make Elder Scrolls, Doom, all of that stuff. And there's a lot of questions going around. There's questions about, does that mean that because they own Bethesda and Obsidian that we're going to get a New Vegas 2? Ooh. Does that mean that we're not going to get games on PlayStation? Ooh. Uh, What does that actually mean? So I'm going to pitch this to our panel here. Who would like to start us out with some details about this? Nobody. So no one is going to start telling <laughs> some details about this. However, However, I've been designated before as the uh, Harold. You uh, know what? This is a this is a Dave thing. Uh, I don't like you know. If you are, if, if the Mjolnir Thor's hammers land there, I guess I'm worthy enough to pick it up. Um. So big news. Guess what? Microsoft, the company behind PCs. <laughs> and Xboxes. <laughs> and Xboxes has bought Bethesda Zenimax for seven point five around there billion billion dollars. So to put that in perspective, uh, Minecraft was or Mojang, the studio behind Mo-Cra- Minecraft and the IP. Minecraft. You almost said Minecraft. Minecraft. That's where Mon- we- Minecraft is a very different game. Mon-Craft. I played Minecraft once. Mm. Well. Uh, they were bought for 2.5 back in the day. And then, uh, to put it even in more perspective, a lot of people are throwing around this Disney number because Disney bought Star Wars for $4.5 billion. Uh, Holy moly. Get your head around that. Perspective. Holy moly. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of billions. Yeah. 
That's like I'm for sale. If anybody, it's like <laughs> this many. Yeah, I don't Dollar. know that human beings are, are actually worth that much. Dollar wise, uh, uh, Bethesda is more important than Star Wars. That's crazy. I mean, get your head around that. That's nuts. I think a lot of people discredit how how much money the video game industry generally generally generates. Generates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 200 200 billion dollars just this year alone. That's incredibly insane. Incredibly. I I think that this is a a testament to the worth of the, the medium itself. I think that this will be, as far as stocks, very good for a lot of outliers looking at other companies in the video game industry and what that entertainment value is worth just uh, off the top of my head i can continue mm-hmm. on with the news though um there's some other things uh that they have said i'm kind of summarizing the news there's like a press release from xbox there's a press release from todd howard there's a press release from pete hines there you know there could be a press release from the janitor up in maryland uh if stuff. somebody was to pay me 7.5 billion dollars i can write a press release too yeah let's <laughs> that would be very good uh bethesda games um all of their games library uh and future games will all launch day and date on xbox games pass uh when asked about ps5 exclusivity commitment um xbox plans to honor those with both the games death loop and ghost bar tokyo uh Bethesda games will be able to come to different console platforms on a case-by-case basis rolling into the future those are just kind of facts of of what they said there's not a lot of facts there's a lot of story and, and why they chose to, to go with Microsoft and why they like them as a partner. Um, but I'll read two quotes, uh, one from Todd Howard, one from Pete Hines. Uh, Mr. Howard says, like our original partnership, this one is about more than one system or one screen. We share a deep belief in the fundamental power of games and their ability to connect, empower, and bring joy. And a belief we should bring that to everyone, regardless of who you are, where you live, or what you play on, regardless of the screen size, the controller, or your ability to even use one. Pete Hines says, it's a big change for us, but after taking a minute to absorb the magnitude of this acquisition, we're going to continue doing what we know and love, making great games. We're going to keep trying new things. We're going to take the same passion we've poured into what we do, and the passion that our community brings to the things we make and do even better. So what's everybody's initial reactions? Um, I believe that both of those went through um, a significant route through the moment a few times and then spit out to the public. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, yes. I mean, those are all very good things. I think that, that those all uh, touch on the things that we want to know, you know, like, oh, they care about the things we care about and about making good games. Yay, rah, 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 cheerly, cheerly. I mean, yes, that, I wouldn't expect anything different than that. That sounds perfect. But as for like actual in ground, there's not a whole lot there, right? Yeah. Um, but w- w- this is so early. Why would they put information out there about things that they're not even able to implement yet or haven't even fi- finished deciding? Because it's not like during a game, like a, during the sale of a company like this, it's not like you set the and say, well, if, I mean, you, you set 
some of it is really hard and fast. It really comes down to the financial transaction. Does this seem like it's a good thing for this for the shareholders? Does this seem like it's a good thing for the company as a whole? Aiken's do it. Yes. Okay. Are we making good profit? Yes. Okay. Good. Make the sale. I mean, that's that's really the main justification of anything like this. The way the stuff shakes out, like exclusivity, what games they're going to make in the future, those kinds of details are decided and debated in boardrooms from this point forward. Yeah, it's going to be Usually. interesting to see how this shakes or reignites the console wars, which already were kind of, um, if you have seen any of the nonsense that people have been fighting back and forth about um, ever since the two consoles were announced, everyone has been fighting back and forth uh, about Xbox versus PlayStation. Um mm-hmm. And now that's that's kind of started all up again in a different way. Um, think about the timing of this, where this announcement, which is going to really give Xbox a massive leg up, access to all of Bethesda, Zenimax's studios and games, some of the largest games in the industry, announced just weeks before <laughs> the consoles, um, yeah. you, you know, are hitting the market. Um, talk about shaking things up. Yeah, I think that's this is obviously intentionally released now in oh, order yeah. to make people question, okay, should I buy a PlayStation or should I buy an Xbox? Um, but we do know, we do know some things about exclusivity. Um, can you... Oh, we lost you, Tom. You've... Uh, what? Ah, internet. Can you have some insight about exclusivity, right? Uh, yes. Um, what they said is that the exclusivity agreements um, that they have already agreed to for a period of time are still going to be honored. Um, but like Dave said, as far as any of that stuff, it's going to be evaluated on a case-by-case basis going forward. Um I mean, the exclusivity that PlayStation has been given, I think with Deathloop and one other game, I can't recall the other one right now. Ghostwire um, Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo, yeah. Yeah, those two games mm-hmm. are exclusive for a period of time. After that, it's kind of, who knows. Um, what they did make very clear, though, um, and Todd Howard even clarified, their goal is to make these playable to everyone, everywhere, regardless of how you play. Um, which makes smart financial sense. I don't think Microsoft is going to cut out an entire console and lose out on what likely is a massive chunk of income because I think, especially I know as Fallout, there are more PlayStation players than there are Xbox players um, of Fallout 76. So it just wouldn't make business sense to to cut off that whole console. Um, Yeah, I agree. I I think that there's much, we're much more likely to get uh, or console exclusives for things like early release dates, right. or um, if you bu- if you buy the you know super duper edition on the Xbox, then you're going to get these skins and things which you can't get on the PlayStation. Right. We're probably going to get that kind of stuff, but to say that there, things are are not going to release on the PlayStation, probably not the best thing. The other my other perspective on this is that Xbox has been focusing very very much on moving people into their platform as a whole not just their console so when we're talking about xbox they want you to think 
the games that come out on Xbox systems and PCs, and eventually the games that you can just play in the cloud that stream to whatever device that you're using um, as a subscription thing. So it makes sense to me that you bring in a studio like Bethesda, who's one of one of a few big studios that wasn't eaten up by some other larger corporation. And all of a sudden you get, you know, the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, uh, Dishonored, uh, all of these series, you know, from the, the biggest ones to some of the smaller ones that they do, that all generally have a good reputation. And now people associate them with your Microsoft platform. And it's it's much it's much more than just a quick play. This is a long play. This is a yeah. what's going to play out for this entire console generation. And you know, for example, um, the kids today who are the kids today who are say fifteen year olds who are going to be getting a console for Christmas and they pick up an Xbox. By the time they're twenty, they're going to be associating Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six and those things with the Microsoft platform. And they will continue to associate that well into adulthood as they continue to play games. So that's my perspective on that. What about you, Tin? You know, I look at everything. I, I, it's hard. To, it's hard to take just the Todd Howard statement and and not think about things that Pete Hines has said or that Phil Spencer has said. So, um, you know, it seems sometimes you know, if you look at it, looking at it at a glance, it looks like maybe Phil Spencer is saying one thing and then Todd Howard is saying another. So it's like trying to, and like you said, Tom, as things continue to progress, as we learn more information, as they work out details of this, of this, uh, of this acquisition, uh, more of, more of these things are going to come to light. We're going to understand it better. Yeah. yeah that, that That's kind of my, my perspective and that Elder Scrolls and Fallout are both juggernauts. Um, more so than Dishonored or Evil Within, even though I mm-hmm. particularly love those games. Or uh, Doom is is another is another juggernaut um, that people know around the world that, that have that appeal. Like Minecraft, uh, Fortnite are kind of newer ones to it. Um, like pe- people outside, like if you go and talk to your neighbor, they're probably going to know one of those games. Like they're probably going to know Skyrim because that was that was the big thing. There are some games that are just so big and and associated across the world um, that I, I'm I'm not sure what sense it would make to not have those as many places as possibly get them. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that um, that pe- that people you know can make or that there's the ability to do, but I think that there there are some like holy grails that they have there that they're like all right. Like nobody touched the pristine masterpiece. We want this on display everywhere. Like this is gonna be at the front of the gallery when we walk in. Um, so, as far as, as as far as almost transitioning into what this means for Bethesda Zinemax, this seems freaking great for them because what they were <laughs> as a company before were it was privately owned that's that's what it was it was a, it was a bunch of people that started the company way back in the di- way back in the day and they built this up and they seemed like that they had there's been rumors that they were looking to to sell their company to an, another entity there there was talks of even like Sony back in the day like a year ago it has been shopped around i think a few different places uh but the alternative of them going public and then being beholden unto their own personal stockholders as opposed to Microsoft, which has this 
vision that's been established for years and years with their game studios and has been growing and evolving really in the past five years, I think is a way better play for them. What do you guys for think? Sure. Yeah, um, Vassarax in chat says, I have to pray that Microsoft push them to Unreal 5 or some other master, massive overhaul for their engine. Um, I did see a post from Todd Howard. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not. Um, yeah, Todd Howard, um, in one of his posts, addressed that and has said that, and this is probably one of the reasons why it's taken us so long to get to the Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six release, is that they have updated the engine, that this is the most massive overhaul they've made to this engine since uh, releasing Oblivion. So right. that would be, that that's the jump from Morrowind to Oblivion, which was the jump from, um, I mean... <laughs> That was the 360 generation. This is this. That was a significant jump in graphics. Um, right. I mean, think about the way the forests looked, all of that stuff, in in that generation of games. Um, and one of the things that a lot of people don't seem to understand is a game engine isn't a. Uh, it's not. It's not a stuck thing. I'm trying to think. It's not like this controller, you know. And like, oh, this controller sucks. Throw it out. Get a new controller. You can. You can replace every bit of the, I guess it is kind of like the controller. You can replace every bit of the controller, and eventually, if you replace enough of the components of the controller, is it even still the same controller? It's the, it's the, that's the way software works. If you gut the software and replace the core components of the software, then on some level, it's not even the same software anymore. Right. It's like and, renovating and a house. I mean, you, you tear out enough of the house, you renovate enough of the house, it's going to be it's not the same house. a new house. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the, the old question about like, you know, the ship, how many planks of the ship does it take to replace before the ship is no longer the original ship? Right. right. Eventually you replace all this, all the components and now it is a brand new engine, more or less. So that's, that's the complexity of it. On top of that, the programmers that they have working on this and who have been working on it for the last four or five years are not necessarily the same programmers who worked on the engine back during the Morrowind Oblivion Skyrim days. Staff changes and you bring in experts who understand different things or people who may have worked on the Unreal Engine or these other engines in order to implement the things that they've learned and expand on them. So I, I wish this was something that the public kind of let go of because it's not really the way this stuff works. Yeah. Eventually, you can replace the whole thing. The the thing with the Unreal Engine, and I guess the benefit of it is it's widely available. A lot of people know it. It's very easy for people to move throughout the industry where they have experience with Unreal Engine. Um, you can have like you can have programming experience from for an, a number of different languages, but getting into an engine and learning that whole process is a whole different thing. The logic is kind of the same from engine to engine. I've played around with Unreal and Unity and Game Makers. I think it's the other one, mm-hmm. um, but. That's the benefit is you see these games that are in unreligion and it's very easy to get talent to to um to do that. Whereas Bethesda games and the reason that they use that creation engine is is number one because they can activate all of this modding, all of this different stuff through their own means, make that available, and that's why Skyrim can still sell tons of copies ten years after release. Like that that is why that they use that creation engine is because they have complete control over it. They can do whatever they want and we by their by Bethesda's grace, we have the power to <laughs> go and, and make these crazy mods like Empire Waste or like uh, uh, Sky Oblivion or uh, the list goes on. Um, the uh, second reason I think for that is a lot of the modding community and the people that 
have worked in Creation Engine, if you look at some of the Bethesda job advertisements for a lot of the programming, design, that kind of stuff, they're looking for people with experience in Creation Engine. And it's very easy to do that on your own. Like you can just go and make a, a Fallout mod and play test stuff. Like if, if you were applying for a job with combat, like you could go and make a mock-up in Fallout 4 and say, okay, this is what I want to do. And you build off that and things get better and things change. But for the most part, there is a, a vast number of people, especially in the modding community, that are used to that, that, that understand that and can work with it very easily. The other thing that I think is really interesting about this is it's been, what, seven or eight years since they acquired id and brought Doom yep. into that that fixer, picture. And people forget that the id engine was another engine. And you go back, and, and it still is, but you go back 10, 15 years, and that was one of the predominant engines competing with Unreal. So that, that was one of the reasons why I was excited when they, when they took on id software because they were getting with that experienced engine developers and those experienced engine developers i would imagine if they didn't leave the company have probably been working with and implementing things behind the scenes with updates to their own engines so i'm sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we just don't have any insight to when it comes to all of this stuff and this is just the start um it's important there's an important distinction um microsoft has not purchased ZeniMax yet. This was announcement that they intend to acquire the company, but it, this isn't going to be completed until the second half of next year. So we still have a ways to go. And there's um, a little later, we can talk a little bit about the, the difference between mergers and acquisitions, which gets into a lot of what I've done for companies before to explain the difference between the two. Um, because this still falls under FTC oversight. So there's a number of legal hurdles that have to be moved through before this is a done deal. Um, a lot of people, videos coming out and whatnot, were saying, oh, it's, you know, this is done and, you know, Todd Howard's gone. And no, that's not, <laughs> no. no, none of that is accurate. <laughs> well, well, I mean, why don't we stop the train at that particular stop on the tracks? You know, this um, Kenneth Big U uh, corporate <laughs> session and let's hear a little bit about that uh, let's start firstly with explaining what the success trap is um companies um invariably there's a a, a theorem in business where companies reach uh, a critical mass point where they can't get any more successful than they do so they get caught in what's called a success trap and essentially what that means in business um you get to a point where you become stagnant on that success. So you're not bringing enough diversity. You're not taking risks. You're playing it safe. Um, some of the largest brands in the world got to that point. Kodak, um, Rubbermaid, Blockbuster. Um, in the past century, 19 companies that were on the Fortune, um, 500, uh, Fortune 100 list don't exist anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, um, these companies get so large they make the critical mistake of, of not diversifying enough, not changing enough, not taking risks, and then they just get left behind. Interestingly enough, um, going back to Microsoft versus Sony, so uh, Game Pass launched in 2017. Um, PlayStation's, um, Sony's program launched with uh, 2014. They have 1 million subscribers as of October of last year at last count. Game Pass 
uh, launched three years later, and as of this year, has 10 million members that pay $10 a month. That is a massive cash cow. So the yeah. purchase of, of Zenimax is not only strategically brilliant for them to bring in all of these titles and the ability to produce new titles that get added and continue to, to build value into the Game Pass, um, but it also is, is a drop in the bucket as far as how much income is coming in through yeah. that program. Um, another point um, of the difference in mergers and acquisitions, with a merger, um, a company will, um, oftentimes it'll be two public companies. So there's uh, stocks that emerge, the team invariably is shaken up, uh, CEOs exit, management exits, and the company merges together to become a composite. Um, with an acquisition, it's commonly a large publicly traded company that acquires a smaller private company, in which case there's no change in management structure um, in a large scale sense. A lot of smaller positions can sometimes change around while the companies merge together and synergize a little bit, but it's not like um, Microsoft just comes in and takes over and then changes um, everything about ZeniMax. Um, which Pete Hines had already talked about. The team is going to stay the same. Todd Howard isn't going anywhere. Um, that's the difference between a merger and acquisition. So the company remains intact as its own entity. It just is now operating under the Microsoft umbrella. The benefit to ZeniMax um, plays into what the success trap is, where um, right now the company could use the additional cash flow from Microsoft, as well as the technologies of Microsoft. So we're talking about an infusion of new tools, um, equipment, processes, um, exclusive technology, all of which can empower them to make better games and create all kinds of new things that we haven't even thought of yet. In addition to um, collaborating with other companies that are in there. Um, we'll talk about New Vegas later because I know we're all excited about that, but to have all of these <laughs> game companies now operating under one parent company means a lot of opportunities for collaboration. So um, when we've had Pete Hines on, he talked about how commonly the teams that developed ESO, which is under uh, ZeniMax Online Media, had helped um, Fallout 76 most recently in the development of One Wasteland. So that team and their expertise and some of the ways that they structured that game, um, as far as leveling goes, is brought into Fallout 76. And that's just from an intercompany standpoint. Now you have Microsoft and all of these other studios that are all synergizing and trading ideas and strategies um, that ultimately helps all of the companies underneath it. Um, in the long run, this is going to be really, really amazing for ZeniMax, Bethesda, um, in being able to to create bigger games, um, to maybe launch them <laughs> with um, more, more testing and um, not have as much pressure maybe as far as equity partners go in shipping a game out the door before it, it probably should have. So I think that'll be helpful, um, partly because Microsoft has... Um, Internally, they have some specific guidelines in terms of what they're looking for. So I think they're going to bring some of that expectation maybe to the table 
um, with all of their their gaming companies that'll be operating under the company. So that's kind of a little bit of a, a broad stroke about how the acquisitions will go. And again, this isn't going to be until the second half of 2020. So we won't see any shifts as far as the company goes with smaller positions for for quite a while. Well, as as a, as a not necessarily a rebuttal, but you know, time is means nothing to us during this time. So I mean, <laughs> I you're telling me that it's gonna oh, it's a long way off. I'm like tomorrow, it's, it's gonna happen. Well, look at what happened. <laughs> yeah. Of course, in my memory, they teased Elder Scrolls Six, which is probably like three or four, five, six years down the road. Who knows? And everyone's like, "Is it coming out yet? Is it coming out yet? What about Starfield? Is it coming out yet?" Yeah, but, yeah. Um. So. As we as we kind of we're, we're kind of dancing around the topic here, we're gonna get down. We're gonna talk about Fallout, which I, which I think Time is to what get we're. Down. It's in the name of the show. So what do you, what do you guys <laughs> think? What does this mean for Fallout? What is this as a really as a brand? Because that's one of the I think the major things that Microsoft acquired is they can literally post Vault Boy memes all day and not get any <laughs> flack about it. Um, so what do you what do you guys think? <laughs> That's that was the main goal was the memes. It was the yeah. memes. They just spent the they memes. just spent seven point five billion dollars worth of late memes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I had totally. a lot of fun making those yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what is tune? What do you think? You play a lot of Fallout. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think largely. I think what what Kenneth has said. Um, I think largely the accountability uh, for uh, you know. If you've played Bethesda games historically, like you find inevitably some sort of bug with them, and I don't think any any game is released out the door without with zero bugs. I mean, even mm-hmm. Rockstar, who doesn't catch the flack for bugs, like has bugs in their games. Like you can't you can't um, omit those or overlook those. So I think I think the accountability uh, uh, for for games going forward um, is going to be important, and just the wisdom and the insight that they can offer uh, into into um, the creativity of the games and uh, the gameplay, um, but largely, I mean, Microsoft doesn't seek to acquire Bethesda because they're making bad games and they need help. Like they 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 want them to continue doing what they do best. And I think with the Fallout brand, is you're going to continue to see, uh, you know, worlds populated with dynamic characters and 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 deep stories that uh, that compel you uh, as they as they've done in the past so I think largely I think a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the storytelling and the day-to-day stuff is going to be left alone for the most part yeah oh, are you doing anything important right now <laughs> <laughs> the cat <laughs> June's cat has made an appearance on the show um, and in my streams every day too so do we do we want to do we want to address the question about New Vegas 2 Okay. All right. <laughs> that we'll go. We'll go ahead. We'll start digging into that. Um, here's a hot take. You ready for the hottest take that that, that will get me kicked out of Fallout in general? Uh, every single community. Yeah. We don't. No one needs New Vegas two, and you all are uncreative for thinking that we need a New Vegas two. There's already been a New Vegas. How about we get something new before we get a New Vegas? 2? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. New New Vegas. <laughs> newer, newer Vegas, Vegas. Newer, newer Vegas, newer Vegas, <laughs> new Reno. <laughs> it's like the knockoff. <laughs> but there, there's Atlantic new City. Atlantic City. <laughs> oh god, we both said it. Crap. <laughs> there's so many opportunities though, and and I'm not sure. Like this kind of like collaboration that people are talking about between 
Obsidian and um, and Bethesda Game Studios, uh, that kind of stuff. That to to manage that, like your production probably can't start for another three years. Like to, oh, to yeah. like start working on something like that, I think would be an undertaking. I think you're more likely to see Fallout smaller, Five. But, well, you're that. more likely to see Fallout Five before you do that, and I think that. I think that it's going to Fallout Five is going to kind of be a, a combination of different efforts because that's I guess you know looking on down the line we got to get Starfield which I'm guessing is sometime in the next ten years and then you have Elder Scrolls which is sometime in the next thirty and so in around that fifty year mark uh, we're going to get we're going to get Fallout Five but <laughs> joking aside I think that I think that we're going to get some collaboration there but I think before you even get Fallout Five I think. One of the things that people aren't realizing is like they have smaller studios that could do work. They have this gigantic brand, and if they want to put something out on, you know, Games Pass or something that's new Fallout, they're have, they've shown that they're willing to experiment with Fallout. I mean, heck, we have a whole po- podcast about an experimental Fallout game. Like <laughs> Fallout seventy six is not a quote unquote, I guess, mainline game. It's 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 an offshoot. Um, even with its nuclear winter mode, with these different modes that they're experimenting with, um, I think that you are more likely to see a smaller game. Now, I, I release you all to talk about New Vegas 2. Go and have your fun now. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've killed it. Now that I've killed it. I murdered grave. this thing. Here you go. <laughs> Enjoy. I think we're going to, and I'll tell you why. Um, yesterday, that is the very first thing. First, everyone was like, what? And then everyone was like, okay, New Vegas 2 can happen now. To the point that um, gaming magazines, um, online reporters, Polygon, everyone was saying, okay, now New Vegas 2 can happen. There's articles that, that came out yesterday with them saying that this um, collaboration could happen now. It would be such an easy win to win a massive amount of of, of positive um, love from the Fallout community to, to do something like that. Even if it's something small, I think it would be um, an easy win. But I also think um, there are inherent risks to that, which um, you, you fall into, uh, not the success trap, but the nostalgia trap, where I think... Um, and it's sometimes baffling because I was talking, um, and even in our group, about how amazing uh, Fallout New Vegas was for me. And, you know, there are people who started with Fallout 4, and it just looks like this ridiculous, silly dinosaur of a game to start with 4 and then go yeah. back to New Vegas. Yeah. It's yeah. so much more clunky, but we have such deep memories of that game. The nostalgia of it um, is deeply embedded in know our our love of fallout and the charm of the clunkiness at the time was <laughs> oh part totally of it. Yeah. yeah um i mean it had excellent writing but the combat mechanics for fallout new vegas versus fallout 4 um or fallout 76 are so are mm-hmm. so now antiquated it's not even funny but y- mm-hmm. you run the risk sometimes of trying to meet expectations that those of us who care most about it we can't possibly be met um, in the same way that maybe some of the new Star Wars movies or Star Trek or any of these long-term, or even Doctor Who, long-term fandoms, you have difficulty staying relevant to younger audiences, which, you know, bring in money, 
or older audiences who want what they had 10, 15, 20 years ago and can't get back again. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I really want it to happen. Yeah, that, that level of game... I, I can't. I can't imagine. Like, because if Xbox is going to do a New Vegas two, they're going to do their damnedest to meet expectations oh, to yeah. get there. If, that, that, I mean, that's such an undertaking, for, yeah. just from the from the inception of it. Yeah, they wouldn't even get to work on it for six months to a year. I mean, and the acquisition like, has to end, right? They have to like it. I mean, we're looking at something that won't release for another four or five years, even if they started today. Yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it would be more likely, and I think something you would be more likely to Obsidian come in and their first, if they want to collaborate with Bethesda Studios, a great way to do it is they have this live service game called Fallout 76. I've been thinking about that. If you want to start with something and say, okay, people want New Vegas, we don't want to spend all of this time meeting expectations mm-hmm. on New Vegas too, but for the people that want more because the thing is about New Vegas, people don't want more of the game. They want more of that world. That world is incredible. They, they want more of the story and yeah. set yes. in that world. So yes. yeah, so I see where you're going with this. Like, So why not add to 76 create something over in the West Coast, a reason for you to travel over there, experience right. those stories, those characters. You already have an engine that can run it. You just need a team to implement the stories and design yeah. that part of the world literally do what they did with um with morrowind in eso like just yeah yeah and uh, and i mean if you're talking about the small scale and and kind of getting to work i guess that would be easier expectations would be set on what that is it's like Mm -hmm. then it could take a year or two to get out you're you're gonna do it in half the time timeline wise you know what would be amazing is if an expedition to new vegas at where we're at in the timeline now happened Mm -hmm. you get out there and of course At this point in time, New Vegas would have been pretty well abandoned or taken over by raiders. So House is still in a coma. Um, He hasn't woken up yet. So his Securitrons haven't gone out to collect the tribe. So New Vegas is pretty empty, except whatever could be in there. What if, as an expedition, you go out there and you have to, you know, clean out New Vegas and maybe do something to start the process of fixing house to get him back online, which I think won't happen for another 70 years after this. I'm trying to remember the exact I think it's 200 but. years almost. Yeah, it's like 170 yeah. years or something. Yeah, um, People, people yeah. often forget, though, that there's like a gigantic time machine located in the Cranberry Bog as well. So like nothing <laughs> is really out of the question. They have this gigantic subway and all of these things. Oh, like, MacGuffin. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm crazy, and we're talking crazy. I still think I still think the whole thing is a simulation of Fallout 76, and you're all going to wake up in some other place some one day. You know, I think that's uh, that's a possibility. You wake up and it's uh, Fallout. um, One of my one of my viewers suggests Fallout Bay Area, where like you have you're you're actually like uh, like, San Francisco, yeah, San Francisco, Oakland area, Alcatraz Uh, DLC, like oh yeah, yeah, Alcatraz could be a dungeon for sure. Like lot of stuff like that, so yeah, yeah. The setting of the seminal film, The Room, San Francisco. That one. When you say seminal, that is my favorite phrase that you use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I, I looking at these studios, I think that that Obsidian is kind of a an easy one to look at. And be like, oh man, 
it's 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 like people you know pairing up movie stars together in in like Time Magazine or I don't know if Time Magazine, but more like the tap like People Magazine uh, would be mm-hmm. a better thing. And being like, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't they look cute together? I think another one is um, In Exile Entertainment, which most recently did Wasteland Three. And if you legitimately can can stomach XCOM as a strategy yeah. game, and you want a Fallout story, go play Wasteland Three, you idiots. You should have been playing that before you even listened to the podcast. It should be done. There's a robotic Ronald Reagan that controls an entire town through his Ronald Reagan religion. Like this is Sign some, me up. We're on some stuff here. What I'm trying to say is if I could let me put my pipe dream out there is if we can get an actual sequel to Brotherhood Tactics and get like a full on XCOM Brotherhood of Steel game by in exile in exile entertainment. You get your squad. You get all your people. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. we gotta go clear out these super mutants, and then you got your power armor. Everybody's got their things. You know, you're going out there, kind of like top, got, got your things. You got your top down area. It's like 95 percent chance to hit this thing, and then you miss it. You know, that's how those <laughs> games go. Um, yeah, that is my that's best part. That's my ultimate, and I'm trying to think of like what's accomplishable. And it's like okay, uh, Fallout Minecraft. Oh no. You say that, but you know, you know what I heard. You know what I heard pitched. I heard somebody say something like, "If I see a Master Chief suit show up in Fallout seventy six, I'm out." <laughs> Which, <laughs> well, I mean, they put they freaking put when they released the Nintendo Switch, the Skyrim game, the uh, the Skyrim game. Uh, they uh, put in Zelda's armor and sword and shield. They did. I guess yeah. the they did. If we're looking at lore, but. <laughs> Wait, Zelda's not I the mean, boy. Heck, we basically got NCR armor in Fallout seventy six, so why not give us some little okay. master chief? Okay, that's Charleston Riot Police. <laughs> if you if you read the the little letter that they changed on there, um, in the universe, <laughs> I think. Uh, forget the desert. There's no desert out there, but forget that pain ever existed. Gotta, yeah, we got to move on. Um, I, I want to see the Doom Slayer just smack the Scorch Beast Queen. Yeah. That'd be good. What about uh, Vertibirds and Microsoft Flight Simulator? <laughs> <laughs> I would play that. Now we're, now we're talking. Oh, look, there's my house. Chugga, 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 chugga. Or the, or the, uh, the Zeppelin. Just fly the Zeppelin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Predwin? The Predwin, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Outer Worlds 2, other, Van Buren. Huh. Is there any other speculation of what, what can go on with Fallout? Does anybody have any, like left fielders here what do we got anything Mm. I think we're going to see maybe a little more marketing um, and maybe a better rollout of of updates or content um, with more of an infusion maybe of of money that gives them a little more ability to increase marketing budgets and really plan out patches and content I think we're going to see more of that that's a real home run left fielder from Ken right there. The other speculation I've heard is people saying things like, does this mean we'll get Elder Scrolls 6 sooner? More Not necessarily. Money, but I, I don't think so. It's depending yeah. on if I think they, if they increase, how they do staffing. I am, I am, conf- I'm a little bit confused on what everyone in Bethesda done because you have multiple studios. You have the Maryland one, which is the main one, you have, and they're working on Starfield, I guess, for the most part, I think. Uh, Austin is working on 76. You have a studio in Dallas as well that people often forget about. that They worked on Nuclear Winter. Now they're working on something else. 
Uh, you've got your Montreal studio, which hasn't, I guess, is, is, is doing support for Blades right now. Like, you've got a bunch of studios, but then combining that up and then putting it all under under one family, you're, I guess you would need to have a team that's kind of working in tandem with Starfield to get that out there. But are you going to get, are you going to get that same quality for both? Right. At a time yeah. when people are still vastly working out of home offices. Yeah. Right. Um, it's almost more efficient to stick with the team that you have than to bring in a lot of new people to crank something out faster. Right. Um, because there's, there's a, a learning curve there. There's training. There's, you disrupt the team dynamic. Um, so more people to crank something out faster may not work. And that's what I think they did for 76 was they they developed that internally. And then once they, they had bought, I think I forgot the name of the studio before it was Bethesda Austin. But towards the end, they were like, OK, we're going to kind of change hands here in, in a, you know, if you're running at the track meet and you're going to do a, the baton pass. It's kind of what they yeah. did for it for uh, for the live service. They were like, "Okay, this team is now going to do live service stuff." Any for them, it seems like for the most part, any like major like overhauls, like art assets and stuff, are being managed by both. It seems, but f- for day to day stuff, it's all BGS Austin. Yeah, when Mark Tucker, when we had him on, he was working for them down in Austin when uh, they bought out the company and he started working for Bethesda. Yeah, that was a cool. That was a cool interview. I like those guys. It was. I hope we see them again sometime. Speaking um, of developers, one thing I wanted to remind everybody of because um, more recently I saw a lot of talk back and forth online about it. Developers are not responsible when a product is shipped and it's not what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, developers, and if you remember to that interview. Um, if you didn't see when we interviewed Mark and Ferret, you should go back and watch it. One important thing that Ferret said is um, 76 had some very obvious problems that they wanted to fix. But you get to a point where it had to ship. There was there was pressure to get it out the door. So developers don't want to ship a product that way. They work very hard, obviously, and care deeply about the game. Um, and if anything, I, I hope some of them felt better after Wastelanders for finally getting recognition for the game because there would be nothing worse than dedicating that much time to building something only to have people just talk about how awful it was and how the developers are terrible and yeah yeah it's not your fault no I I mean I've worked for companies like that before where it's not like shipping a game but something is put out there that you weren't confident in and Mm. it reflects on you in a fashion you just feel awful about it Right. Um, imagine, imagine someone hiring you to do a painting, right. and you know it's going to take you two weeks. And after the first week, you're only halfway done the painting, and they're like, "Oh, we're done. Yeah, I need it good. now. Yeah, let's this hang it up on the wall." You'd be like, "This looks like garbage. You can't even tell what it is." <laughs> like, right. and they're like, "Nope, I, we have to put it up on the wall. It's time, time to finish." Like, and if we're looking at kind of a, a change of hands, Microsoft is willing to delay Halo, which was an original launch title for their brand new system, to next year. Like the, they were willing to do that because they were like, yeah, you know, we showed this game off. It wasn't up to our standards. That's like Bethesda putting out the previews for Fallout seventy six and people going, you know, this doesn't this doesn't look right. And them going, okay, we'll see in a year. We're going to go work on it a little bit more. Like you never have that in the industry, but Microsoft is willing to do that because their fan base sees that they're like, okay, maybe this product isn't finished. When you've got this strange alien that looks like. 
Yeah. <laughs> what does it look you've like? Seen, you've, you've seen memed up. One uh, more time. <laughs> it's me when I, when I like fart. And I'm clipping that. Face. <laughs> it's getting clipped. Uh, it, I think that that is another reason it's a good pairing because they're looking at games and they're like, okay, we want this to, we want this to be what it can be, and they have that perspective, and not just perspective, but the clearly the money. Um, yeah. Money, money seems immaterial to them. Um, as, yeah. as a, although I don't think that they can go ask Daddy for anything else for Christmas because I think this is enough to cover them for that. Well, we also have to compare them to their competition, and one of the yeah. reasons, and, and I brought this up in the video that I put up on um, on YouTube, one of the reasons why they're doing this is to compete with uh, Sony's first-party games, and their first-party games have very much been, let, wait to put them out until they're complete and ready to go, and then they're out there and they're ready to go, and they get glowing reviews. I mean, they sell tons, you know, games like God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn and all, all these other games. So if that's if that's the caliber of game that they're competing with for first party titles, then that's going to be the the bar that they're trying to reach before they release. Yep. So it just makes sense. So let me go ahead and open, you know, let me go ahead and open Pandora's box here. What oh do we think or uh, not necessarily what do we think and what should what do they what do we think and what should they do about exclusivity in general for Bethesda games for Fallout for the, the gambit of the things. I want to I want to open the floor for that discussion because that discussion has been happening everywhere uh, across all different cases where you've got essentially Microsoft next year. Microsoft is publishing a PlayStation Five exclusive game that has never happened and that probably will never happen ever again. This is like how crazy this time is. So I'm curious what you all think, I guess, what will happen and what should happen. What is the, what's the dealio going on here? What's the dealio? What's the dealio? The seminal dealio. (laughs) I think, I think Microsoft's going to want it to be available on all consoles. I think that's, that's what they want. But I also think that this puts... Microsoft and ZeniMax in a strong negotiating point for really making cross-platform happen. It can now easily happen on Xbox. That's not in the way anymore. (laughs) But um, in future, you know, giving PlayStation the ability to do cross-platform and in exchange for exclusivity for a time, um, trading that back and forth gives both companies some some real negotiating power to to get PlayStation on board with making crossplay happen cross platform happen. I would love to see it happen with seventy six. I really would. Um, I also know console players don't want the issues that come with PC players, which is you know hacked weapons and all that nonsense. Which um, you know maybe some Microsoft money can help with uh, preventing <laughs> that from ever happening again. But um, you know, I think that's Pay the off only the hackers. Thing. Give them what they want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cash bonus. Tune. What about you? I think the way that people play games is going to evolve in the next five years. I mean, yeah, totally. um, with with XCloud becoming sort of this sort of this what seems this prototype right now, which could become sort of the norm is like, you know, like the Nintendo Switches right now. It's like I can play it, I can play it on my TV, and then I can just pick up the game that I was playing. There it is, right there, right over there. <laughs> um, we know what Dave does while he's <laughs> supposed to be working. He 
He plays Breath of the Wild. <laughs> plays Breath of the Wild. Um, so, you know, people might not have to make these choices between consoles if something like xCloud is is somewhat affordable. Say it's a say if it's like Game Pass and it's ten dollars a month or something like that. Like you can play these games like on your mobile device. Granted, it's not the same experience, it's not the same platform that you used to, but I, I that's one thing that I think is gonna happen is the way that we we think that gaming is being locked to something, you know, like a specific type of uh, device is 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 going to change. So it's like you you may be able to have like that console. Let's say you're strapped for cash. You may buy that PlayStation, but you want to play something that could be exclusive to Xbox. You're going to be able to experience that on mobile in, in some way. So some so, some of the some of the, the things we've heard, uh, you know, like I said earlier, from from the different people, from from Phil Spencer, from Todd Howard, and from Pete Hines. There's different things coming in, but until until we get the uh, the full details worked out, um, we'll have to wait and see like how exclusivity works with with Bethesda titles on Microsoft. My guess my guess is that they're going to. Uh, I think. Let me say it this way. I think the wise choice would be to release everything on everything, but to do um, like their beta tests or like the early looks or the early release stuff on. Xbox, PC, Game Pass platforms. Yeah. That way, they're not screwing over everyone. If you have a PlayStation, you're still going to get it at launch. You can still play it just like everyone else. But if you want to jump in the beta weekend test, which is really just a, a demo, let's be honest, the, those beta weekends mostly are demos, um, then you, you need to sign up for Game Pass in order to get it. So that way they, they use it as a way to sh- you know move people into the game pass platform they go oh i got all these other games too they stick around at least for a few months playing those other games now they've got the subscription cost and they also get to play you know the new you know starfield or elder scrolls that comes out and then once they're in the game 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 pass platform they either buy it on game pass because they've already made progress in the games on there or they subscribe long enough to the point where they are pretty much done playing it for a while and then they either stay on the pass and play other games or they cancel their subscription. And then, of course, when they feel like, oh, there's a new update for that game, then they go back re-subscribe. and resubscribe. Yeah. And right. that seems the smart way to do it. I think that that aligns with their goals, but it still allows people who want to play it on PlayStation to play it. And they don't get the negative press about, oh, you can only play this game over here now. So from my perspective, I... I'm probably the underserved market or what people would perceive as that because as I sit from my Mac computer with my Nintendo Switch and my PlayStation 4 down there, not an Xbox or PC in sight, um, and my PlayStation 5 pre-order already (laughs) magically secured in a matter of two minutes, uh, which is a a whole other debacle. Uh, I I, I said at the beginning of the show that there are some brands that are, are kind of bigger than everything else. So if they're going to... Bottom line, and I think that you can take this to the bank. This is something you can take all the way to Pete Hines' bank down in Bethesda, Maryland, and turn it in. They're going to want you to be able to play Elder Scrolls and Fallout as many ways as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean you're going to play it on PlayStation? I'm not really sure. I think that you're more you're more likely by the time Starfield or Elder Scrolls rolls out that Game Pass is going to be like Netflix where it's like it's available on your Roku it's available on your like it is has the availability levels of Skyrim like it is available as an you app you can play it on the TI-83 calculator 
you may be able to play it on the PlayStation. Like, it, it is an application that runs and it is available. And by then, we've got, I mean, if we're looking at you know five G internet um, for uh, cell phone signals and a number yeah. of things, like you're going to be able to play this in a, in a workable fashion in any it, it, Game Pass really in general in any way. Um, so I, I think that. I think it's guaranteed that they are working to expand Games Pass, which I think is what they want. Both Xbox and PlayStation want the same thing. They don't want you to buy their consoles. They don't really care. They're just doing it so that they can be like, oh, we've got, we can put that feather in our cap. They want you in their market. That's that's, that's bottom line. That's why Steam does stuff. That's why I, they yeah. want you buying games from their store, operating in their online market so that they can, because they get all that revenue. Like they get a, a cut of anything that you buy from Steam. Steam gets a cut of. Same thing from Xbox. Same thing for PlayStation. Same thing for Nintendo. Um, they want people playing there. As far as I, I see a world where Fallout Five is released on all systems, PlayStation because it is it is ubiquitous and they want that everywhere. But let's say my dream Fallout Tactics Brotherhood of Steel game, which is a smaller experience. They can say, all right, you know what? That one, that one's Xbox exclusive because that is a smaller vision. It's something that we really funded and went in there because that's the benefit of exclusivity is that's why people do exclusives from a studio standpoint and from a third party that comes in there that says, okay, we want a one-year exclusive is they get paid. They get a lot of money. And if Microsoft is putting out $7.5 billion, they're going to get some return on investment. There's going to be... Fallout and Elder Scrolls games that you're not going to be able to play unless you're in the Microsoft. I don't think that those games are going to be Elder Scrolls uh, I about said 5 because Fallout 5. Uh, Elder Scrolls 6 and Fallout 5. I I don't know about Starfield. Um, that's very interesting because there was that whole... Um, there was a journalist that recently put out that even PlayStation was looking at making that a timed ex- on the uh, PlayStation 5 console a few months before this announcement um, that they were still in talks about all of that. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure hundred percent on Starfield, but I mean that also to me, that makes sense for something. If they want to do exclusive on Xbox, there's no Starfield community. There's a Bethesda community, um, but there's no like ubiquitous, like people don't know Starfield. People know right. Elder Scrolls. People know Fallout. Um, ideally. And what I, what I think Bethesda like if we look at the old Bethesda, the Bethesda of three days ago, um, <laughs> I think that they want everything on every system. Um, I think they want, I, they want all of their games on the Switch. That's what the, they are probably one of the most supportive third-party developers for um, putting their games onto the Switch. Like they're putting, they put Doom on there and it runs really great. There's, I think they're still trying to get Doom Eternal on there as well. Um, yeah. Skyrim. I wouldn't be surprised. That's why people are saying, "Oh, they're going to put, um, they're going to remake a Fallout and put it on the Switch because that's that's what they want. They want Fallout on the Switch. They want these things in as many markets as possible because to them, Fallout is more than just an RPG game. It is a brand. It is Vault Boy. It is the the, I mean, the TV show that we're the unofficial official podcast of. Um, this is Vault Boy. <laughs> so, so for me, it's like. I probably am not going to get I, I, like I'm not going to get an, an Xbox in the, in the next year. <laughs> but if you want to play, the, the the crazy thing about Xbox marketing is if you want to play Games Pass, you just need an Xbox One. Give it two years, those things are going to be a hundred dollars. You can go and play the same thing. 
I can sit here. Here. I can sit here. I have a phone attached to a controller. You can play Games Pass on that. Like, you can get an iPad and play Games Pass on that. Like, there's so many ways that they're making to play Xbox games. If you really wanted to go and play it, the price of entry is just your subscription and having a device that can run that. Yeah, super low risk, and and like you said, like it's it's an easy entry into into their market uh, right. just by playing on your phone. Right now, how does that work with mods? How does that work with a number of different systems? I am They'll figure entirely it out. unsure, but I hope that they bring. And I would be really I would be really bummed if I can't get Elder Scrolls Six on the PlayStation or Fallout 5 on the PlayStation, and I think that they lose out a lot. Because even like Ken said, like the Fallout 76, the majority of the popular um, role players are all PlayStation 4 based. That's right. That's the Fallout 5.0, uh, Dr. C.J. Martin, um, the Vultures, the Vultures are all yeah. there. Um, you've got a, a large number of the Enclave that are on there. You've got, uh, gosh, there's one like a vampire group um, I forgot the official name of that, but come, come to PC, come to PC, come to solve all your problems. To PC, that's what I well, did. Even Pete Pines though likes playing on console. He doesn't like playing on a PC at home. Yeah, they yeah, said they well, they're, they're done looking at that computer yeah, screen. That's for exactly eight it. hours yep. a day. You know, let me be yep. on TV. That's that's what I that's my personal um, view on it. Is like I had played like I have played every single Elder Scrolls on PC like that that when they came out back in you know I guess this has been 10 years ago I had a PC that or a laptop that could run those games um, but I was also in school um, you know I was I wasn't in front of that computer constantly but now at an office job it's like I just want to go to my couch where I can like you know lay there like I'm Jabba the Hutt and hold a controller in my hand and play a game Chulu <laughs> Solo Yes, that's that's exactly how I sound outside of this podcast. It's exactly like Job of the Hut, but it's kind of a it's a very intentional. The, the weird thing, the thing that I don't like, and there's one thing that I don't like about this is the wording and the marketing is all very intentionally vague to yeah. sell mm-hmm. the new mm-hmm. Xboxes the day mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Are they allowed to make that move? A hundred percent. Is it kind of weird? To be like, what's going on with the exclusivity? Because that's the whole deal. Because even in the PlayStation Five showcase, they're showing off Deathloop, which is Arcane's game. Mm-hmm. They don't have the details worked out. I'm sure that that like exclusivity and and how they want to release these games. The first of all, they got to make the the gosh darn game to get it to figure out what platforms it's going to be <laughs> the, on. The gosh darn game. The gosh, gosh darn. darn Mothman. Um, <laughs> Chafin's the hut. Chafin's the hut. hut. (laughs) Mothman Ranger in chat. It's very... It's very weird, this whole lack of... Lack of complete and total ideas and... like this this has been in the works for months i am sure that this has been like this was decided before yesterday or a, a while yeah, <laughs> they just um, had one meeting and we're like yep we're good announce it yeah they had, yeah todd and pete hines had a casual conversation over the water cooler yeah, um i was um i sent uh pete um 
a private message yesterday just congratulating them on everything and um it's been in the works for a while but when you're it's remarkable to this is one of if not the largest transaction of this kind in the gaming industry we're talking about the largest acquisition here it's huge so to keep something like that secret until it was ready to announce is massive so you're talking about um a lot of stress and keeping it to a to a small pr- group of people probably in order to have all of these pieces in place and then to pull the trigger um he just seemed really relieved that it was kind of out there and now they can just you know get on with with getting it done um but the one thing that he was most interested to see <laughs> invariably is uh, all of the rumors and the nonsense that that comes after it um the memes and the yeah mm-hmm What's been some of your favorite things that you've seen of like people freaking out about X or Y? Um, my favorite one is that um, with this buyout, uh, Todd Howard was given a massive cash buyout to leave the company. Mm. I don't know where that came from, but sure, yeah. I've enjoyed. Getting- <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I've 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 I well I won't change the subject, but I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the memes of Obsidian and Bethesda like being in yeah. the same room and somehow looking over their shoulders and seeing the other there, you know. It's funny they, they've collected mm-hmm. they've they've collected all of the old Fallout people for, and, and I yeah I said in in some of my friends' group I'm like maybe they're just gonna call the next game Fallout and just have everyone work on it. Just, just, <laughs> it'll be like a reboot oh, wow. where it's exactly like the thing it's the exact same title but you know newer. Yeah, forget everything else happened this is like we've assembled the Avengers of the Fallout world and it, it really is the Avengers of you have most of your western RPG developers that are like big time players at Xbox Studios now uh, except for uh, mainly I think it's the one Bioware yeah yeah the doctors they're the, yeah they're mm. the ones that I'm um, you know who I was thinking of yesterday? That well, and because uh, yeah, he's he's been in the industry for so long. Can you imagine how happy Ferret Bowden was um, to be working for the same parent company and be working with familiar faces again, like he did when he was back at Black Isle working on uh, yeah. Van Buren as well? I mean, that's got to be it's like seeing old friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm curious how much of how much of Bethesda and it, people are, are speculating oh how much is Microsoft going to ruin this and I think of the opposite whereas frankly fr- from my perspective in my opinion Microsoft's first party offerings have not been of the same caliber as Sony's before this um, Bethesda acquisition and their studio levels of of I guess repute within the industry have not been anywhere near Sony's this, however, severely changes the scale of all of that. And you have these huge developers now working under Xbox, and it's like people are being like, oh, how's Microsoft going to worry? Oh, like, going to mess that up. Um, but really, it's how is Bethesda going to change the culture at Microsoft? Or not Microsoft in general, but just Xbox Game Studios. I think it's going to yeah, be a lot. I think Microsoft is going to enhance ZeniMax and Bethesda's culture as opposed yeah. to dismantle it. I right. think too about I, like I was thinking, and I was I didn't have enough time to really do a lot of research on it. But the companies that Microsoft has acquired, like Obsidian, is a great example. Have 
have they done better or worse since being acquired by Bethesda? Um, I mean, they they've launched the Outer Worlds, which people, yeah. yeah, no, they've, uh, they've thrived, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's no, they've done I mean. well. Yeah. The Outer Worlds did well. I mean, it, people felt it was short and lacking, whatever, but it had a lot of the core RPG elements, maybe a little bit, but the the storytelling was really compelling. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think they're doing worse. If anything, you know, they're, well, they're launching really good and, games. And it seems like that they're like Outer Worlds was was private division doing all the publishing and they were cool with all of that but then they were able to spin up uh, spin up grounded which was their newest game and just like release on an xbox game pass and like kind of from us it seems like it has a similar trajectory of a lot of like these survival games that are still in beta that they're trying to trying to work through and get these issues and expand on content kind of like uh subnautica is is probably a better example rather than say in a fallout 76 because that's more live servicey um, like having that ability and that money to be like okay we're just gonna like do something crazy here and just make Honey I Shrunk the Kids the game <laughs> yeah, like who would have thought that that would be successful <laughs> right exactly and it, and it was and it got people it gets, it gets more and more people every time to subscribe to Games Pass which I think is I don't, uh, I don't think that there is a I don't think that there is a console war I think that that Sony is going to do what Sony does. Sony is nowhere near the level of, of, of money or influence that, that Microsoft is. Sony makes great games. Sony has made some of my favorite games. Uh, they're fantastic studios. I love their machines. Um, Nintendo is is trying to innovate the way that people play. Microsoft is just trying to get games in people's hands, and that's their business strategy. They're not trying to out-console PlayStation. They're not trying to compete with Nintendo. Like, now it's almost like a perfect way of going into this what i guess the next gen where every single company is on their own pathway to success and they're all different and they're not really competing with each other from my yeah, you kind of you kind of have a reason to buy all three you do you have yeah. a reason to buy all three and like you don't really have a reason for, from from my perspective like if you just want to play xbox games and you have a good internet connection you don't really need to buy an xbox like you don't really need to go out there and get one. Like you can play every single right. Xbox exclusive on your on your PC, on your phone, on your tablet. Like already, um, that's why I put it on a toaster. Like put it on a fridge. Like, at that point, it's it, it becomes instead of Xbox consoles, it's just like the Xbox service. Yeah. Uh, yep. No. Yeah, that's where they're here going. for that future, though. Yep. They're competing on ideas. Yep not platforms or technology right they're competing companies the same are way really that, the same way that like fortnite competes with netflix like fortnite is competing for your time and they're trying to pull people in to yeah. enjoy this entertainment netflix mm-hmm. is doing the same thing and xbox is competing in that realm um i think harder than sony is because sony i think is very traditional um which it works for what they do so I think that's a pretty good summary. I think that sums it up pretty good. You guys have any other last thoughts on any of this? I did have a Debbie Downer moment, Uh-oh. and I thought it was—I yeah. thought it was important to set expectations um, because sometimes these things don't come to completion, and I can—I can talk about why they fail. Um, acquisitions and mergers sometimes aren't completed successfully, and there's a number of reasons why. Um, 
I, I dug into the Microsoft investor portfolio. Um, last year <laughs> on their investor call, one of their long-term strategies was to position Xbox Game Pass as the Netflix of video games. Um, that's really what their goal was. So acquiring ZeniMax makes perfect sense to, to be a step towards that goal. Um, investors um, are presented with forward-looking statements for any positions that the company takes, acquisitions, um, anything that would affect the start portfolio. Um, in the announcement that Microsoft made, they lay out um, forward-looking statements that are, are based on specific expectations and assumptions, but there are roadblocks, um, potentials that are in the way that could derail that or change it where the outcome isn't as expected um, as far as projections in terms of what this will add long-term to Microsoft or how it will impact the stock. Um, some of which um, include that the transaction may not be completed in a timely manner. One um, hurdle that I think is going to be a, a bigger hurdle um, in February of this year under the Trump administration, the Federal Trade Commission um, that oversees uh, monopolies, antitrust, that oversees mergers and acquisitions, had started to look into some of the largest companies out there and the acquisitions and mergers that they've conducted recently, and even going back, ones that they've already completed, to to gain more insight into companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft. Um the FTC right now is is looking to determine that um, if these smaller companies that were acquired or are going to be acquired or merged or bought out, if they were left to their own devices, if they would have flourished independently, or if the acquirer proceeded to use the IP and develop it. Um, another scenario would be... Um, if a buyout or acquisition or merger happens for the intent that that larger parent company would dismantle the smaller one, which isn't that common because it doesn't make sense to do that unless you're buying out a competitor and you want to just simply erase them from existence. Um, so the FTC is really cracking down um, on uh, ensuring that there's not a monopoly. The one question mark, I guess, that we have that they're going to be looking at is evaluating this move, which is, again, one of the largest moves um, in the gaming industry, if not forever. They're going to be looking at how this is going to impact competition in the industry. So um, where this will impact PS4, uh, PS5, sorry, Sony, um, how this is going to affect competition. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of some hurdles there to overcome as far as the FTC is concerned. Um, hmm. That's that's one of the things. Um, some other risk factors that they laid out to shareholders um, include restrictions or limitations imposed by regulatory authorities. So the FTC has the ability to say, okay, we'll allow this to go forward under these specific conditions, in which case things become a little weird in order to get um, the acquisition to be completed. Um how this will um, impact the employees. Uh, retaining key personnel is another risk factor. So um, maybe key personnel, like if Todd Howard decided, yeah, I'm going to leave three or four months down the road, which isn't going to happen, but they have to lay out these kind of scenarios. Um, 
all of these kind of small things, intangible assets, um, loss of community, um, platform changes, um, successfully integrating with Microsoft's business model. So um, ZeniMax's corporate culture being able to meld seamlessly with Microsoft and being able to live in the same kind of business microcosm. Um, all of these are kind of, of risk factors, but um, to balance things out and temper expectations a little bit, because again, we're, we're in for you know a year before this thing could be completed. Um, so it's, it's going to be a little bit of a, a road. This is just the start. And I'm curious how that, like what this will domino. And that's why you had a lot of people trending uh, Konami uh, on Twitter, which was... Which I saw that yesterday. Here in Castlevania and Silent Hills of PlayStation trying to buy them. And I think that's one of the factors you look at is you say, okay, like is Sony going to come in and start like steadily buying up smaller American developers. Like what, what, what is the, from an FTC, I guess, perspective or from, you know, I guess, um, I forgot the name of the federal administration that does the, um, I, I don't, yeah, I guess it is the federal trade commission. Yeah. Um, FTC. Yeah. Um, what, what does that mean for non-American businesses? Because they can, they have more control over this one because it's, Bethesda, which while international is based and is a uh, uh, quote unquote like American owned business and Microsoft is the same way where they're international, but they are a generator for uh, the American economy. While Sony is based out of Japan, Nintendo is based out of Japan, and you've got other companies like Ubisoft um, that are in Europe. Um, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how 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 this will shake out kind of kind of knowing that i think that's a good piece of insight Ken. it's going to shake up the industry a lot and it i mean this is just before the the launch of, of two new consoles so it is going to have an impact it already has in a lot of ways um so long term it's going to be interesting to see how this this massive acquisition um really elevates things and like you said it could also shake things up to the point that um you know sony <laughs> goes on a buying spree um and starts yeah, acquiring they, some companies too to stay competitive which entirely is possible their net worth sony's net worth is comparison to, to microsoft which is not just xbox but is right. like all that that they are at microsoft's mm -hmm. at one trillion and i think playstation or sony's at like uh a hundred billion or something like that like it's 10 times they're smaller than Microsoft. So they can't, they're not going to be able to go out and buy Ubisoft, but, or, or uh, like, I'm trying to think of other Square Or Rockstar. Enix. Yeah, uh, Take-Two, yeah. who does the uh, 2K and Rockstar and all this. Like, they're not going to be able to go out and, and buy that stuff. But, like, WB Games is looking to be sold. And they're kind of a smaller mm -hmm. publishing outfit. They have the Batman games. They have that new um, Harry Potter game they've got. Mm -hmm. A smaller selection, but are kind of kind of in limbo right now. And I'm curious, like, what's the what's the back and forth? I'm curious with the PlayStation Five exclusives. Like, what's the back and forth with that? Like, I'm all down. Listen, I'm making the pitch right now to Sony. We can just back off on that exclusivity <laughs> with that, and you just make the deal that we make sure we get the Fallout and Elder Scrolls like <laughs> right in our veins. I'm good with it. Frankly, right I, don't like, I don't like the exclusivity for consumers at all, but I understand from a, a money perspective. I mean, like you said, Dave, it, it was um, worded ambiguously enough that, and even some 
Fallout 76 trolls in the groups were already saying, well, like, haha, you know, I have Xbox and the games are going to be exclusive now, so eat a dick, PS5 people. Um, there was a lot of that. So even if that isn't true, um, how much of that discussion made people rethink their purchase of yeah. a PS5 versus an Xbox? Um, mm-hmm. You know? It's yeah, it was time. It was time to... Yeah, it yeah, definitely made yeah. definitely yeah. made my wife, who you know I spent her money to go buy the PlayStation Five, go. You mean to tell me that you bought this PlayStation Five and you don't get Fallout on it? And I'm like, no, that's not. That's not true. No, but if we have to go buy an Xbox, that's okay too. <laughs> priorities, priorities, wife, priorities. Right. <laughs> yeah, gentlemen, this I be interesting. I think that we've 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 circled around it, and I think I want to thank everybody. Everybody's had a very measured response today, and I and I appreciate. You're welcome. We've had very measured, you know, information. So that's true. I think we've really covered this more completely than some of the stuff that's out there currently. Yeah, I think Uh, that we've done this better than most of the the news outlets posting. um, You know, followed this exclusive to the to the Xbox um, or. It's it's like we uh, learned on our last interview. If you don't have the clickbaity, you know, prediction crap yeah. going for your thing, then nobody's going to click on it, and then you're not going to make right. money on YouTube. Yeah, um, exactly. But if <laughs> chat listeners, if you want to come here, listen to the actual facts about things, then keep tuning into our show because that's what we do. Fair and balanced. <laughs> Fair and balanced. We pride ourselves in being very oh. serious and and very balanced in all of our decisions, and they're absolutely. Oh, we lost you, Dave. Oh, oh no. Oh, am I here? I'm here. He's back. You're here. Okay. What I was saying is we're very serious and we absolutely have no shenanigans. And I take everything that comes out of my mouth with, with the utmost importance and seriousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone should know that when I say something by George, I'm being 100% serious. He never jokes. He doesn't no. even understand jokes, which is no. difficult because no. he thinks everyone else is always serious all the time also. Kind of awkward. I'm a Klingon. How <laughs> Klingons work? You're like uh, Drax from uh, Guardians. <laughs> a Draxo box. A Draxo box. Oh, All right. Well, I think we're done. On that note, <laughs> on that note. I think Dave has finished the show. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining. <laughs> as usual we've milked the cow it's done we've milked the cow um tune thank you for being our guest on this do you have anything anything cool going on that you want to share before we head out uh, yeah you know, not much just streaming 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 uh you know midday's starting at 9 30 a.m eastern monday through friday yeah you Come guys enjoy- should definitely go watch and and check out fashion i enjoyed i was on uh, as a judge for a while back and i had so much fun yeah. it was just fun to watch it's a great show it's, it's like one. it's hella fun that's what the people in the West Coast say. It's hella fun, right? Hella and you can fun. also you can also check out my these uh, the series of videos I'm putting out where I use the latest um, season two Armor Aces and the Power Patrol to spoof yes. oh GI just to spoof GI Joe PSAs, <laughs> which were kind of famous at the end of the GI Joe cartoons when I was kids. I'm like, let's take the Armor Ace and the Power Patrol and let them do PSAs in the wasteland. It's pretty hey, good. It's, guys- it's, it's it's pretty good stuff. You guys should go to check it out. Yeah, you have to see it. It's hilarious. It's yeah. the scripting, the wording of it with the comedic time was fantastic. More to come. More to, more of those to come. Good. <laughs> cool. Cool. Ken, what do you have going on? Uh, not much. We are in the final stages of editing our 
uh, series two, episode one, uh, which should be coming out probably Sunday, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll that'll be it. Nice, nice. And Dave, I'm pimping the same thing I did on Saturday. Uh, I've got an episode of Geography Arcade coming out, talking about Marvel Avenger with uh, my good friend Tom. Uh, located to the bottom of me, if you look in the stream, he's at the bottom. He's wearing a a very color coordinated outfit. I have to say, um, I've got my uh, new California Republic shirt on, just in case we get new Vegas. Like a Brady Bunch thing going in here. That could, we do have a Brady Bunch thing. Eventually, nobody's ever Tom nobody's ever made me, that joke when Tom. we've been on calls. <laughs> the, the Dave that was, that was the joke every person in every company in America made back in March when we first started doing the whole everybody's on voice yep. calls thing. Yeah. But that oh. episode comes out on, on Thursday. Uh, so there you have it. There you have it. All right. I've got my normal stuff going on. We just had our Fallout Lorecast episode last night talking about uh, we're going into cryptids for creepy time coming up because we're getting into the creepy month yeah yeah i should i should probably have dave on to guess for one of these at some point (laughs) um so we got got that going on i've been streaming in the evenings uh usually after the shows i've got a whole schedule of different shows throughout the week so come come hang out with me twitch.tv slash robots radio and i think that's pretty much it you guys know how to go hold of us check the show notes for any of the other stuff we got going on and including some of the sponsors and things that we have gives you guys some good deals on some stuff including audiobooks.com so go check that out you can get like three audiobooks for free it's a pretty freaking great deal um you don't even have to pay anything so go do that free it'll be in the show free. notes free for three all free right guys thanks for joining us and thanks for being here chat we will see you guys next week same time same place have a good one Bye. Bye. love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And always remember, swooping in.